0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Pool Cleaner Hour, my possibly weekly, possibly bi-weekly podcast of various things and various interests. I'm your host, TinkerBuff, and for the next little bit of time, I'll be filling your ears with some ramblings as you lounge in your mind's pool to cool off or heat up. Either way, it's your pool, it's your choice. I'm just here to make it comfortable. A disclaimer for today's episode... I'm not an expert. I'll probably pronounce things wrong. Don't use me to skip out on homework. And if something piques your interest, please just use it as a springboard to go on your own adventure. This upcoming episode is not nice. Um, it's going to be pretty depressing, pretty dark. We're discussing the Radium Girls. With World War One on the brink, several factories began sprouting up across the United States to produce glowing watches and military dials painted with radium, a radioactive element that glows in the dark. The biggest of those was a company called Undark, because it glows. Hundreds of young women were hired specifically for this job, because they had little hands and it made it easier for them to maneuver around the little mechanics. This radium had been discovered 20 years prior by the legendary French physicist Madame Curie. And since this was something used to treat cancer at the time, it was seen as a miracle substance. So we've decided to put this in watches because they glowed and look cool. We also put it in toothpaste and cosmetics and on the triggers of little toy guns and just... Anything we'd want to do. Sometimes ladies would paint their fingernails to have glowing nails for the club later. People loved that you could read the watch without a light. And it had a military strategy to it. Being able to read your dials, your compass, what have you, without having to turn on a flashlight or a lantern of any kind. And yes, this shimmering substance did give off a warm sensation, which was a warning sign that it was burning you. But it was not enough that people... Worried about it too much The ladies who were hired to paint these dials were soon commonly referred to as ghost girls Not because they would die from this task But because the radium dust that they interacted with daily made their clothes hair and skin literally glow Many of the women wore their best dresses to the job on purpose because it would make the fabric shimmer Some would apply the paint to their teeth because it would give them a glow At no point were they aware that this was dangerous, and that is because they were consistently told by people higher up than them and their managers and people that they should have been able to trust, uh, they told them it was completely harmless. Even though those same people, those same managers, those same higher-ups, they wouldn't get near the substance themselves. They either knew something was slightly amiss or they knew 100%. it was dangerous and they wore protective gear the undart company chemical chemists themselves they would use lead screens they would wear masks they wouldn't handle the substance without tongs and the u.s radium corporation even distributed literature to the medical community describing the injurious effects of radium but they would always assure the women that they hired is totally fine they even encouraged them to take samples home specifically to give them the extra confidence that it was totally fine. They'd say, Oh, it's just a small amount. It's fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And, uh, this led to them happily doing this next bit for the watches themselves. The ladies would lick the tips of the paintbrush used to mark the dials to bring the brush to be as fine of a point tip as possible. Um, and each time they did this naturally, they would ingest some of that radiation. The green paint was completely flavorless and the supervisors promised them that the most side effect they would have is they would give them rosy cheeks because that's what they figured women in the 20s would care about most, that uh, they wouldn't have to pinch their cheeks for blush, that the radiation would help them. The uh, Each of these women labeled all 12 numbers on the watch and the uh, dial itself and each employee was expected to paint around 200 watches every single day. Radium is approximately 1 million times more active than uranium when it comes to its damaging properties, and uranium is what you've probably heard used in you know bad action movies or cartoons, and is kind of the known standard for really bad shit. So this is 1 million times worse. Even though the effects of radiation had been noted, Uh, This was capitalist America in the early 1900s, so they didn't care. They didn't care about safety. They didn't care about radiation. They didn't care about looking forward. They certainly did not care about women. Um, It didn't take long for the physical destruction to start becoming overwhelmingly apparent. People were getting burns. They were losing teeth. They are developing ulcers, and their mouths were filling with blood and pus. Among the first was poor Amelia magia her first symptom was a toothache which had to be removed and in the spot of that tooth came the pustules and ooze of deep infection her jaw swole to a point that it stretched the skin so tightly it would crack from the touch she could feel her teeth and her jaw crumbling in real time this horrific radiation spread through her teeth and gums until her entire lower jaw had to be removed. This, uh, this didn't stop the onslaught, of course. It was in her blood. It was in her body. It simply made a part of her get removed. And it was already going into the rest of her body and rotting away at her as she was alive. The doctors either couldn't or simply refused to put two and two together. So what these assholes did is uh, when she died of a massive hemorrhage, they labeled it as syphilis. And this is um, a tactful reason, a terroristic reason. Once they started labeling the woman's death as syphilis, it was uh, pronouncing her as dying of STDs which made her word among the community null and void. It made people look down on her. It tarnished her reputation. And more importantly to these psychopaths, it made it so that others wouldn't want to come forward because they don't want to have syphilis on their death certificate. They don't want their legacy tarnished by this. Even though the rest of the ladies were definitely having similar issues. And for two years, their friends and co-workers all around them dying, rotting away, just falling apart. The employers wildly denied any connections. They would constantly gaslight their employees as much as humanly possible. But when the public started putting the pieces together, they stopped buying these watches and various other radioactive things. Grace Fryer was another worker who had a lot of issues going on. Three years after her health problems began, she went to see what was told to her was a specialist at Columbia University named Frederick Flynn. This uh, psychopath, this jackass, told her that she was totally fine. And this was because it was later found out way down the road that Flynn wasn't a doctor at all. He wasn't even licensed to practice medicine What he was, besides being a piece of shit and a gutless coward, was a toxicologist who could absolutely see that something was wrong, but he was a toxicologist on the U.S. Radium payroll who was paid to tell her that nothing was wrong. Um, And with this man was another maniac uh, who confirmed... Flynn's diagnosis, Uh, this man was the vice president of that same U.S. radium corporation, so they looked at this woman who was just being brutalized, Uh, had numerous health problems, they knew exactly what was going on, they said, no, you're fine, unfortunately, she was turned away, what else is she going to do, she's a woman in the 20s, and a specialist told her she was fine, so... If she tries harder, she's at the risk of getting thrown into a sanitarium or being told that she's hysterical, all the while she's being rotted away. As profits started to tick down at the U.S. Radium at at Ondark, the company finally commissioned an independent study which proved the obvious, that the painters were dying from the effects of radium exposure. U.S. Radium hired Harvard physiology professor Cecil Drinker to study the working conditions in the factory drinker reported that yeah radiation's bad every single employee here has issues they all have toxic blood however when he submitted his report to the company for them to turn in to the new jersey department of labor they switched his report out with their own but kept his name on it so just evil They also hired a different group that conveniently came to the opposite conclusion and said that the women were sick, sure, but it wasn't from the radiation. Uh, For some reason, the public went with this answer and continued on because, you know, general public sometimes just want to be lied to instead of being told that they need to buy different products or that their products came from the deaths of the very people making them. In 1925, a pathologist named Harrison Martlin conducted his own survey and found out that, yes, radiation bad, and we shouldn't be doing this. The radium industry tried to silence him, but he stood firm, and the ladies that had survived this long are now fighting back. Even though they knew for a fact they were dying soon, and their bodies were being destroyed by the substance, they used the strength that they could muster to end this nightmare. Unfortunately, it still took two years for the girls to find an attorney to represent them. They eventually found Raymond Barry. At this point, most of the girls only had a few months or less to live. Most of the ladies were so ill and ravaged with radiation that two of them were completely bedridden and none of them were able to raise their arms to even take the courtroom oath. Grace Fryer, the lady who was told by uh, the evil Flynn guy, um, that she was fine... At this point, was now unable to walk. She required a back brace simply to sit up, and she had lost all of her teeth. The reporters decided to describe her as a pretty girl, and that was it, because, again, 1920s. So she's a pretty girl. Who cares? Nothing's going on here. Whatever. The radium girls began appearing in headlines nationwide, however, and the public started to finally realize, hey, something's going on. Uh, the papers realized that if they reported it accurately and reported the horrors of what was happening, that people would actually pick up the papers more because the uh, the truth was far more frightening than the papers were trying to elude. Uh, it filled they filled the nation, the world, even with horrific descriptions of their hopeless condition. And when this news reached Madame Curie in Paris, she stated bleakly, "I would." be only too happy to give any aid that I could there is absolutely no means of destroying the substance once it enters your body and unfortunately this was all too true the women proved too ill to attend the following hearing and unfortunately being the time that it was the judge kind of capitalized on this And despite strenuous objections from the women's lawyer, the judge adjourned the case until September, which was several months down the road, because several U.S. Radium witnesses were apparently having a summer in vacation in Europe, and he felt it wouldn't be fair to them, and he refused to conduct a session without these specific people available. Walter Lippmann, the editor of the New York World newspaper, had this to say about that spineless judge. He called it a damnable travesty of justice. There is no possible excuse for such a delay. The women are dying. If ever a case called for a prompt education, it is the case of these five crippled women who are fighting for a few miserable dollars to ease their last days on earth. In a later editorial, he continued, This is a heartless proceeding. It is unmanly. It is unjust and cruel. This is a case which calls not for fine-spun litigation, but for simple, quick, direct justice. Even so, the five women who remained alive in fighting weren't taken seriously. Until 1928, when the creator of On Dark, Dr. Sabin Sochaki, became sick himself with radiation poisoning in his hands. This guy was one of the people who long claimed that the women were safe, even though he knew the entire time that they weren't. And now that he'd grown ill himself, he came forward to admit that he was wrong. He denied that he was sick for a long time, in denial and believing that he would be the one that would be able to find a cure. However, he was confronted with his own death, and now he pledged to help the women in court with their case. This, uh, thankfully actually made the courts the papers and the companies take them seriously as sick as that is so hockey coming in at the last minute was almost a hail mary pass yeah he did a decent thing at the end of his stupid life in months before he died he gave these women the support they needed after being the very one to inflict them with this curse it doesn't redeem him by any means he only did it because it affected him personally and it only made a difference at the time because now a guy was dying it's absurd it does not justify him in any way it doesn't fix anything it's simply he was mad that he couldn't find a cure himself so he's like well maybe i'll do something just stupid it's a horrible person during this time though and the postponing for witnesses to go on their little vacation 50 more women of radium died they so the uh the five They were forced to accept an out-of-court settlement, which the industry was hoping would be the end of it. The situation was too desperate to refuse this insult. Each woman would receive $10,000, which is the equivalent to about $100,000 today, and they had all their medical and legal expenses paid. The U.S. Radium Corporation said they would also give them $600 a year for as long as they lived, which naturally they knew they wouldn't really have to pay out. Fortunately, though, the interest of the ghost girls captured the news headlines enough to get the public actually riled up and actually helping, but the United States Radium Corporation continued denying facts, and the test results vehemently. However, one last ghost girl wasn't done. Catherine Wolfe Donahue, severely sick and dying, rose. She wasn't done with this company. She wasn't letting her sisters die in vain. She would harness their rage and the rage of her own, and she would go forward. With the help of lawyer Leonard Grossman, who worked with her pro bono, she had to repeatedly submit her case after judge after judge threw it out or ignored it entirely. Four years. Of this, Four years passed. She's only getting more sick. She's only dying. But she's not letting the people that died before her be forgotten. And she's not letting their strength be lost. She will continue forward. She finally won a case in 1939. She was able to land a lawsuit that was strong enough to force the company to change its ways. And although, yes, radium would still continue to be used to illuminate watches until 1968 it was now going to be done under much safer conditions, using a proper amount to give just enough of a glow while still being safe to handle, as well as giving the workers proper techniques for handling it in the factories. Madame Curie herself died of radiation-related ailments in 1934, and radium has a half-life of 1,600 years. Her notebooks in her laboratory are still considered too highly contaminated to be even safely handled today. It is impossible to determine just how many people were murdered by this company, but U.S. Radium employed around 4,000 workers, and even though they weren't the only ones to be using the idea of painting with radiation, they were easily among the most blatantly evil. The legacy of the Radium Girls cannot be understated. Their case was among the first in which a company was held responsible for the health and safety of its employees, and it led to a variety of reforms, as well as to the creation of OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, that keeps so many of us alive and so many blood-sucking foremen and soulless managers in line. Amelia, the woman who died and had her death marked down as syphilis, was never forgotten. Her friends and her family knew the truth and wanted to prove it. They had her body exhumed in 1927, and they found that her bones were still glowing. To this day, when a Geiger counter, an electronic instrument used for detecting and measuring ionizing radiation, is passed over the graves of the radiation girl, it still signals strong. So we remember them, the sick and dying, the ones that were just trying to work, the ones that found this glowing substance and was told it was safe and they wanted to have a good time, have it shimmering on their clothes. I'm sure many a times during the courtrooms, they had flashbacks to dancing uh, with their glowing nails, their glowing teeth as a uh, sister workers all combined for justice. And we just should never forget them. Or this case. In the truest sense, they are martyrs for our own well being and safekeeping in the workplace. Without people like these women that stepped forward in their darkest days, we would still have horrific labor practices. We would still not be in control of our own safety at the workplaces. They are literally heroes, and they are people that should be talked about on a more regular basis so I know that was a bit of a dark one um, but I think there's a lot that can be taken from there as an inspiration to band together Um, I hope you guys for uh, lack of a better word enjoyed this episode I hope you're enjoying the the series as a whole I have a lot more ideas coming Um, there's so much I want to do that i can easily fill a week by week i'm still gonna call it a weekly possibly bi-weekly podcast so i don't overwhelm myself but i hope to see you guys and i uh i hope you follow me on instagram at tinkerbuff underscore or if you love movies follow me on letterboxd at just tinkerbuff all right you guys have a good night and i'll see you next time